Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and spider monkeys everywhere wondering what happened to their other four limbs. It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and it's time for Tea with BBP. Live from Michigan State University campus, it's your host, BBP, a.k.a. Bill Van Patten. You know who I am, the international superstar and diva of SLA. With me, my co-host, that lively duo who give Hall and Oates a run for their money. In place of Angelica Kramer today, it's Dustin DeFelice, our hand caller who stepped in the studio, and of course, Walter Hopkins. Ooh. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hello, everybody. That's a hello. What says hello, everybody? Come on. Okay. Hi, everybody. How are you? It's great to be here with you again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Your face shows it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing we're radio and we're not actually, you can actually see us, you know. Gosh, people just, because I'm actually in shorts today, because it gets hot in the studio. It does get hot in here. I'm, and I'm so tired. <laughs> oh, stop it. So stop trying to make fun of me. <laughs> I'm not. I am really tired. You kind of look tired. Yeah. Yeah. You haven't been sleeping well, have Tomorrow's you? Tomorrow's Friday. Did you go to one of those sleep centers recently and haven't put all those little doodads on you? No, I think I'm going too soon, though. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you did. <laughs> there. Well, I was just looking at the calendar today, because I cannot believe we are in the middle of October. Have you seen no, that? No, that's impossible. We are. It's October the, the 13th. It's October. The, you know what that means? October the 13th. 11 days from my birthday. Oh, it's only three from mine. <gasps> Whoa. Oh, my. Two October yeah. birthdays. Two High Libras. Five. I don't know if he's a, are you? Yeah, you're still a Libra? No, you're past Libra. Mm. 11 days oh, from now? you're past Libra. Yeah. He's not a Libra. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Mm. He's, a little, he's a little stinger boy. <laughs> he's that scorpion. Ooh, Mercy. You go. Okay. He stings like a butterfly. I don't know. It's fluffs like a butterfly, stings like a scorpion. Like a That's what I want to say. <laughs> no, but I think it's October 13th, and it means that, and Walt will get to your birthday, and Dustin will get to your birthday in a minute. It's two days until the deadline of the Diva Lip Sync. The Diva oh, Lip Sync. Yes. So people have to get their Diva Lip Sync contests in. Entries are due this Friday. Get them in. We've got some good ones in. It's going to be a tough competition, but I know there's a few of you out there who still haven't gotten yours in, so you want to get those in. Go to our website, teawithbbp.com, and learn about our fun competition. I hear that there's 200 people, more or less, in Oregon at a conference um, listening to the show, and I know in that 200-member audience, there's at least one or two aspiring diva lip-syncers <laughs> there. So you've got two days to get your... Um, you, to get your um, your contest, your entries, your, what do you call it? Your submissions. Entries. Your submissions. Sure. Your entries. I don't know what it's called. Your entradas. Is it entradas in Spanish? I don't even, I can't even speak any language anymore. <laughs> it's because it's mid-October. Where is the time going? I'm serious. I think I joked last week about, I think the sun is now going around the, I mean, the, the earth is going <laughs> around the sun faster than it did before. Something's going on. Oh, gosh. Tell me something interesting. I'm so depressed these days. I gotta stop watching the news. Oh, the news is bad. Yeah, stay away. I, let's not let's not get into the content of the news. I just want to stay out of wanna... Facebook land. Stay out of Twitter know. land. Stay out God, of news I'm land. Just so depressed. I need something medicinal. I tell you, I do. I need something medicinal. I, I could do. dump your water bottle on your head if you'd like. Would that help? <laughs> That's not medicinal. Well, you know, it wake you up. I'm not tired like you. Mm. I'm depressed. Mm. Norma said hello from Mexico. Does that count? Hey, Norma from Mexico. That helps. Yeah, people, send, send me good wishes. I'm just depressed about everything going on. I don't want to talk about it. But with that said, um, let me remind everybody out there, we've got our SLA challenge question during the show. I will give you the question in a few minutes. First person to call it, call in, make it to the phones, wins the prize. 
if they have the correct answer, right? <laughs> and the same for the Diva Challenge question. I will read that question at some point, and you'll have time to call in again. But only two different people. We do not normally take the same. What is that a rule? Who made that rule up? Can't one person call in for both questions and win a prize for both? That wouldn't be very nice. I, we like to spread the love around, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm all about spreading the love around. And because Angelic is not here this week, Dustin will be doing the quote of the week. And because Walter is here, Walter will be doing <laughs> the read of the week, as tired as he is, he'll be doing that. The number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, that's 517-884-4321. And uh, Jeff, Jeff Malone is on the, uh, Maloney's on the phone um, lines today taking your calls. So he will be anxiously waiting for you to call in. Now, um, I think he already is anxiously awaiting. <laughs> I know I can see him through the booth. He's, I love Jeff. Jeff's a great guy. Um, he's maybe feeling the love. He's feeling the love. He should feel the love. And Dustin will be looking at Mixler if you want to make a comment on Mixler. And Walter, of course, is there on. What are you on, Walter? What are you looking at? Well, I'm, I've got Mixler I look at too. I've got Gmail. I've got Twitter. I just have them all open. Okay. He's multitasking over there. Multitasking over there. Oh, my God, I'm so tired. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> there it goes. Oh, he just said he wasn't. I guess I do need to dump that bottle of water. <laughs> I'm tired, and I'm through. I'm going to take a sip, so I'm going to take over a minute. Norma does say, don't be depressed. She loves you. I she Norma. Said, we love you. Ay, mi querida Norma, gracias. Thank you. <laughs> well, our topic this week is an interesting one. This will get, get some buzz going out there, won't it? Our topic this week is about appropriate goals for language instruction. What would be appropriate goals? Um, I thought this might be a good topic because we just don't talk about goals that much in the language teaching profession. And if we're honest, I think if we're actually honest with ourselves, most of us in the language teaching profession do not set concrete, testable, and observable goals. I mean, we say vague things like, oh, I want my students to communicate. I want my students to be fluent and so on. But what does that really mean? Um, and uh, most language teaching goals that I observe when I go out and look at programs basically involve the only goal is covering the textbook. For example, at a lot of high school, uh, secondary, and, and college, you know, just my goal is to get through chapters one through five of this semester or this year or whatever. Um, or a goal might be, oh, I got to get to the past tense this year. You know, those are the kind of right. goals I hear people say out there, right? But in terms of contemporary communicative and proficiency-oriented instruction, I think goals need to be f defined a different way. We need to actually make goals that are related actually, expressed in, in, in terms of some kind of communication um, or some kind of language use during interaction, for example. Um, and, uh, and again, remember, my definition of communication is broad. It doesn't just mean the student speaking. This. A goal could be interpretation or comprehension, but a goal involving somehow the nature of communication. Um, and I mean, why do we need testable goals anyway? I mean, why would you even bring this up? Why is it important? That's not a rhetorical question. Oh, it's not. So you know, I think it's, it's the first thing you should know is what your goal is for your lesson, what your goal is for your classroom, what your goal is for that day. Right, and we need, we need those goals, we need to be testable because we have to be accountable for ourselves, right? right? I mean, this is, you know, think about so many things, I mean, not to get into national news, a lot of people are upset because they don't see the fruits of their efforts in something, right? They go, why am I dumping all this money in something? Why am I doing all this? Where is it going? And I think for us, it's not enough anymore to tell parents and administrators and, and our deans and, and the public, oh, well, we, you know, 
in the two years of Spanish or French, we cover these many tenses. That's not, I don't think that's it anymore. Mm. We need to be able to say that when your son or daughter gets out of this program, this is what we expect of them in terms of these abilities with language. I think that's really where it's at. And so um, we, need to, we need to kind of push that, I think. And so that's why I wanted this topic today. Um, and I will say off the bat, because actually um, Carol sent in a question um, from the, the, you know, Luca likes to put that fishing line out and see what people, you know, he throws that thing out and sees what, we'll see what people says. And Carol actually wrote in and says, um, how do literacy and age of learner impact goals? Can we have the same expectations for all ages, personalities, and literacy levels? And Carol must have been reading my mind when she wrote that because I actually had in my notes to talk today just to say briefly that there is no one size fits all for goals. Goals have to be institutional and context dependent. They do. That, mm. And by context, and you know how I define context, right? Participants and setting. So, uh, so whoever the participants are, whether they're setting are, goals have to be appropriate for that particular context and setting. So some places might meet four days a week or five days a week, some places only three days a week. Some days in an elementary program, it might be one day a week. Um, and so you have to set goals that are appropriate for the context, which includes age, participants, and so on. Um, now here at MSU, we set um, a goal in our Spanish language program and also in our French program for the first two years that 50% of our students getting out of the French or Spanish language program will be at the intermediate mid level of speaking proficiency, which is a really high goal to set. But we did it anyway because we want to have something to aspire to. And thank heavens for um, the people at CELTA who got that proficiency grant that we've been able to actually test that and found that we're not meeting our goal, which means that we either have to adjust our curriculum or maybe the goal really is too ambitious and we might have to, we might have to change the goal. But at least we have a goal we're aiming for and we can test it through some, some means. Now, that's our goal. That's context-specific to MSU. Somebody else might have a different goal. So anyway, um, we'd like to hear your thoughts on that. So remember, the number to reach us at is 517-884-4321. Again, that is 517-884-4321. And if you're on Mixler, <clears throat> you can just drop a line there, and um, Dustin will read that. But you know... What do I always say about this show? What kind of show is it, Walter? Call in. Call in. Call in. <laughs> That's why it's called the call-in show. Yeah, That's right. yeah. So it's like, well, you know, I'm going to have Daniel change the opening uh, music. we got to get some rights to, what's that Deborah Harry song? Call me, call me, just call me, call me anytime. We, we, we want people to call in. And I know there's 200 of you listening out there in, in Oregon right now, so you better call in. Somebody better call in from over there. They said they're having lunch right now as they're listening. Well... You can multi-chew and then pick up the phone. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you the SLA challenge question right now. So I'm going to give you the question, and then you can tell me the answer if you call in. It's a very easy question. You can answer it without even looking anything up. It is, it's one of those Jeopardy categories. What's that Jeopardy category where the answer to the question is actually in the answer? Ooh, where the question – what's it called? There's a category in Jeopardy called that, where if you just read the, the answer, it's right there it's in right front there. of you. Yeah. Anyway, so it's got that. So here we go. I don't have any idea. This <laughs> is, this is, I know, because, you know, we know what you know about pop culture, Walter. Do you know what Jeopardy is? Jeopardy is not pop culture. Come on now. It's on TV. That's no. pop culture. It's been around for a long, long time, though. I think of pop culture as something more modern or new or... So you don't even know what pop culture is. Just <laughs> no wonder you don't. Okay. All right. Well, let me give the SLA challenge question to people. Here we go. Ready? 
What does the term end state refer to in second language acquisition? Okay, once more, what does the term end state, E-N-D, S-T-A-T-E. Is there a space in between the two words? End state, refer to in second language acquisition. Okay, that's the question. Was that an easy one, Dustin? It's a little challenging. No, it's a not. Tougher, Come on, uh, it's called the SLA question. challenge question. It is called, it's ambitious. Oh, but gosh. you always say it's easy. You make people feel stupid. That's why they don't want to call in. No. <laughs> that does set the bar a little high. No. I have to agree. No, it is an easy question. Think about it. What does end state mean? You can answer the question by, what does end state mean? Okay, I think I know the answer. But if you're really worried, don't use your real name. That's the part I can't understand. Yeah, and, Just that's, call in. and Googleize it. You could be Walter Hopkins the second. Really? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I already have one of those. Right, oh, that's right. right. <laughs> well, it looks like we really got a call. Name. Ooh, guess who's calling? We got somebody calling oh, from South Carolina. My gosh, the name is Angelica. Is Angelica on the phone? Yes, she is. Oh, Hi, guys. Dog. Where the heck is Angelica? Where are you? Why aren't you here in the studio with us? I know. I'm in Charleston. Are oh, you doing man. the Charleston or are you just in Charleston? <laughs> I uh, Both, actually. Oh, I got. when you come back, I got to see you do the Charleston. You got it. Okay. I got that down. My dad taught me when I was a little girl. Okay. Do you have the little shimmy skirt and everything? Hell yeah. Is that is that legal to say? Sure, why not? <laughs> Do we need How's a delay for Angelica? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll just we'll just bleep that out later. We'll just Daniel, make a note. Um, so, um, when are you coming back? Uh, this weekend. Late this, this weekend. Okay. Um I apparently you're talking about middle names. What's this about? Middle names? No. Didn't you just talk about Walter Hopkins? No, giving false second? Giving false, false names. names. Giving false names if you don't want to oh, give your... false In names. case you get the question wrong, you know. We, I okay. see. Okay, Dustin this suggested is not Angelica. This give. is I'm, I'm Natasha from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> what? Come on. I remember Will and Grace when Karen used to give that fake name, which I shan't give over the radio right now. <laughs> um, and it, used, it just always, the audience would just laugh out loud her fake name, her, her alias. And it's still... <laughs> Puts a smile on my face as I'm thinking about it right now. Those of you who are Will and Grace fans know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. So what are you doing? Well, guys, I just I wanted to say hi. I'm I'm so sorry I'm not there today, but this is a very important family occasion here. So hope the show is going well. Hope you have tons of callers. Okay. Well, we hope so too, and we hope you have a great time down there and come back safe and sound. Absolutely, I shall. Okay. You have a great time with the show today. Okay, thanks, Angelica. Thanks for calling, thanks, Angelica. Angelica. Love you lots. Love you lots. Love you to sing. God, I felt like I was talking to Heidi Klum for a minute at the end of Project <laughs> Runway. I feel to sing. It means like you know, I just got dismissed. I just, I just, what do you call it? Got kicked off the show, and she says, "I'll be to sing." You are the weakest uh, link. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Oh my gosh, there's um, Dustin, there's a note for you there from Luca to talk to Heidi about something. Oh yeah, Heidi's got a great question. And she's calling, uh, well, she's not calling in, she's got a question on Mixler, so it'd be great if she did call in with that one. Just tell her to call in. Yeah, you call in Heidi, we'd love to have that question online. Okay Heidi, here it goes, ready? I'm doing it. Call me, call me, just call me, call me anytime. Call me, call me. All right, that's enough of that. Oh God, the 80s. That was the 80s, right? Like 1980, something like that. Or was it late 70s? I don't know. I thought the whole time is a blur to me. Don't ask me why. I don't remember anything. 
Okay. <laughs> well, we're right, while we're waiting for those people from Oregon to call in and stop chewing their food, then um, let's go ahead and take... Do we have anything on Mixler, or do you, or we have a question from um, email? If not, I got some here that Luca gave me. Uh, I mean, I, we have some questions here on email. Um, there's so many of them. Are they related to the not, topic? Or well, they right. That's what I'm saying. Not too many that are actually related to the topic, though, here. so well, Can, I, can uh, I ask you a question, Bill, about the, the textbooks you mentioned earlier? Sure. So if a teacher is using a textbook in a classroom, presumably the textbook has objectives in mind, correct? I mean, they're built around specific objectives. Not in my experience. <laughs> not not in not in world language teaching in the United States. They don't. They're all they're all the the goal the, the objectives are all language objectives like learn the present tense, learn the past tense, okay. learn the reflexive verbs, learn the family vocabulary, learn blah blah blah. And they're all couched. In some they kind pretend. Of topic. They pretend to have objectives like communicative objectives and perfect. But what's happened? What's happened in the history of textbook publishing in the United States, at least, is that the old grammatical syllabus and vocabulary groups. When the communicative revolution happened in the 70s and the proficiency revolution happened in the 80s, they just layered that terminology over the existing textbooks. But textbooks really haven't changed that much in 30 or 40 years. They're, okay. they're underlyingly pretty much the same for Spanish, French, German, Russian. And I know people will call and disagree with me, but it's actually, if you actually, I actually wrote about this um, back in 1998 I, um, in an article, and I said that a lot of textbooks, it's like buying detergents in the supermarket. Did I talk about this last week? Or did I t I must, maybe I talked about this in Colorado. I'm having a deja vu experience here. Not an Alice moment, Walter. A deja vu experience. <laughs> but looking at textbook is often like buying detergents in a supermarket. You go in, okay. and you go in the supermarket and there's this big, long aisle of detergents, right? And you got right. Tide and you got Gain and you got Arm and Hammer and you got you know, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And, and each one of those is like three or four different kinds inside. Um, and, then there's, and then when you actually turn the labels around and look at them, they're basically all the same. They all have the same surface surfactants for cleaning. And so what the difference between the four bottles of Tide is one is HE, one's not HE. One has oxy power in it, one doesn't have oxy power in it. One, some are f perfume free and blah, blah, but they all do this, they all clean clothes in exactly the same way. Um, and then you go from the tie to the scandal. game. That's a scandal. I you can't turn, believe it. And you turn the label around on a different product, a, di a different company, and you look, and, oh, that, that ingredient's the same one as the one in Tide. And so textbooks are like that, too. The, the essence of textbooks, at least in world language publishing, they tend to really be the same. The essences are the same. And it's, you get a lot of superficial differences, in my opinion. So, and somebody can call in and yell at me and say that's not true, and I'll argue with them. But that's, yeah. So anyway, Dustin, to get back to your original question, I think right. I don't think the objectives, communicative objectives or proficiency objectives are really part of, of most contemporary textbooks in secondary and, and uh, college markets right now. Hmm. Okay. I mean, they are going for a one-size-fits-all approach, right, which isn't necessarily what we want. Yeah. I mean, they, they do. Because it's a big business, um, and businesses are run in certain ways, and so that's what happens. But, and that, I'm not faulting textbook companies. I mean... Um, it's all about the consumer. So what does the consumer want is what the commercial publisher produces. So, I've got a question here for you. You ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. It's a long one, but I think it's a good one. So Okay. Uh-oh. I'll read part of it, and maybe you can answer a little bit, and then I'll read a little more. So, uh, Okay, that's enough, Walter. Thank you. No, just kidding. <laughs> all right. I'm done. <laughs> Keeping silent. Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. This is from Jim. And I don't know where Jim is from because it doesn't say here, but... Uh, Jim says, I help adult professionals achieve their ESL goals. 
My questions, are my clients' educational and language goals reasonable or appropriate? Can their goals be aligned with my instruction? And so here's the situation. Uh, he says, my clients, mostly intermediate, come to me with specific language needs. Many would like to feel confident and proficient in handling stressful business situations in English. For example, giving presentations to board of directors, chairing meetings with suppliers, recommending new financial strategies for their companies, interviewing for a promotion, etc. Most have open minds in terms of the time needed in order to reach their objectives, but some expect to be able to negotiate a multi-million dollar corporate merger in 30 days in English. No pressure on me, of course, he says. And then he says, other clients have specific proficiency goals in mind. Several are considering grad school in the U.S. They explain the programs that they're interested in require an 80 or higher on the TOEFL. Clients want to know how they can achieve that high of a TOEFL score. For them, proficiency is more can-do, more than a can-do statement. Proficiency have a, has a number attached to it. The Ph.D. program they want to be admitted to has, a dream, has been a dream for years. However, the current TOEFL for, score is 60 and is making them depressed. So in all cases... I suggest lots of reading, listening, and conversation that are in line with their professional ambitions. How can I help them manage their expectations in order to get the high levels of proficiency that they want? Most of my clients are impatient, and they want to know how much time they need. 20 hours? 200 hours? 2,000 hours? So his final question here is, what are appropriate goals for language instruction? Just what does it mean to have proficiency or communicative goals? How do input tasks and all other things we talk about fit into, that, into goal setting? Long question. No Whoa. kidding. No oh, kidding. Lots of information there. No kidding. That's like, Walter, why don't you just like streamline these questions? And poor Jim has got a lot in there. Um, Jim, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer that for you because that's a really big question. But I think, the, I mean, I'm the, I guess the idea that he's really looking for is, is it possible to, mm, to take your goals and say, my goals are specific to each individual student and what, they, what their needs are? Well, you can't are. do that with that many... If, I'm assuming, it sounds like from that email that there's all those different goals in one class. Is that what I'm reading? Is that what I'm hearing? I'm not sure of the situation, actually. But because if be. you have different classes, different goals, that's different. Um, but but if, if you have a bunch of different goals with people wanting different things out of the same class, that's a problem. And then you wind up, particularly at those upper levels like that, you wind up people having very personal goals, um, in which case... What they should be doing is shadowing people who who can do those things because they need to know how that's done, and th and that's a really uh, I don't think Jim that that's solvable. If you've got again, um, if goals for a course have to be goals for a course, that means everybody is pursuing the same goal. But if you've got a bunch of different goals in a course, that means you have a bunch of different courses going on at the same time in one. And I I don't see how that's manageable. So. Um, and um, and I don't know what to tell them about number of hours. I mean, you can't you can't tell people how many hours it's going to take to become fluent at doing something or good at doing something because there's a lot of individual variation too. Um, and a lot of those things, for example, like negotiating a multi-million dollar contract or a business deal, um, that would that that takes that that takes a certain amount of skill that that and, and ability with language is going to go way beyond what most of us normally deal with. So I, 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 ooh, I'm at a loss to answer that one because I think there's just too much going on in that classroom or too much going on in, with that question. Um, give me an easier one. My gosh. Oh, we'll take oh, a call. we got a caller. Well, let me take a call then. I mean, I'm going to come back to Jim in a minute. Uh, uh, let me think about that. I, sometimes things percolate in the background. But um, So we got Karen. Oh, we got Karen on the line calling from Portland. 
Hello. Karen, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Are you part of the group that's eating lunch? I'm the presenter. Oh, my gosh. We've my got 150 people here at the joint conference between Washington and Oregon. Whoa, fabulous. What do you guys do? It's all about language teaching? It is. It's all about language teaching, lots of comprehensible input. But I have someone who wants to say hi just a second. Okay. This is world-famous Steve Krashen coming to you from Portland. And I'm not quite myself. I just had all kinds of surgery, like root canal, and I'm on nitrous oxide, which is absolutely wonderful. And I'm in heavy training to be the stuntman for Anderson Cooper in his next action movie. Oh, wow. And I wish I could hear the whole, I wish I could hear the whole broadcast, Bill. You're doing such a great thing. Will we say such a mitzvah, a good deed. So keep up the good work. Everybody says it's a great show. Well, thanks, Steve. So thanks, going, Steve. dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will see you next month, I hope. I know I will see you next month. See you next month. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. See you at Apple. Thanks for your help on that one, too, buddy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Talk to you, Steve. <laughs> hey. That was a nice surprise. That was very nice. Karen, are you back? Yeah, I am. That I was a nice got, surprise. We've got a a friend kind of group going on here, so we're ready for the challenge question. Oh, okay. Ooh. Great. We've called in Dr. Krashen, so we should be able to handle pretty much everything. <laughs> okay, so here it goes. You ready for the question? I'm going to repeat it for the uh, audience, and then you can shoot us your answer. Here it goes. What does the term end state refer to in second language acquisition? Take it away, Karen. What does the term end state? But we have time, right? Say what? You have time. I mean, I'm outside of the room. So you ask the question again, and we'll get someone from the room to call back. Oh, okay. I just did. <laughs> Ask the question again. I did. Okay, I'll do it again. What does the term end state refer to in second language acquisition? What does end state refer to in second language acquisition? Okay. All right. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. Not right. pen state. End state. He said, how good you are at the end. Oh, he said, how, Dr. Krashen says, how good you are at the end. But I really am going to put this off to the people who are at the, in the conference and have them call back in. Okay, sounds great. Time. We'll wait for and somebody I'm to call back in. And I'm talking to you to Carol. Thanks for letting us call in. We are all listening, so say good stuff. Well, great. So somebody call in and, and win a prize. All right. All right. Here's okay. Carol. Okay. Oh, Carol's on. My gosh. Uh -huh. Hi. Somebody better. I hope somebody has those little Santa wipes to be wiping this phone down. You're passing. <laughs> who knows how many germs are spreading around on that phone right now? Well, we were going to spread that phone to about 150 different people, and so I'm third on the list. Oh my God, Gush! Well, then you only got two sets of germs in front of you. <laughs> how you doing, Carol? <laughs> I'm great. How are you? Oh, we're great. We're peachy. We're middle of well, not in the middle. We just started fall basically this week. So beautiful weather. I love fall. I love fall. Too bad it's called fall. It sounds awful, like you're going to trip walking down the street or something, right? Really? It sounds kind of negative, doesn't it? I know. We should Why just call, call it up? Yeah, we should call it up. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's up. Okay, we're having a great yeah. up this week. We just started, so. <laughs> All right, Carol, yeah. what's, <laughs> what's on your mind, Carol? What do you want to talk about? Well, so I was told via Twitter that I had a call-in-worthy question, so I'll repeat the question that I posed to you on Twitter, and that is... Do you agree with the Apple proficiency guidelines? And if yes, at what point can we expect language learners to achieve them? Do after I, a certain number of hours, after a certain what? At what point can they achieve each level of those guidelines? 
do I agree with the guidelines? I'm not sure what you mean by yes. agree, but um, are the guidelines useful and do they allow yes. us a metric? Do you think they're accurate? Do you think that they can actually predict or are actual predictors of someone's commu- communicative competence? No, no. That's why they're called proficiency. Um, because communication, remember, is always context-specific. And so, and that's why the guidelines are structured the way they are. The proficiency guidelines are the way they are. Um, because they're meant to be non-context-specific. Uh, and the only, only contextual thing they mention is, one, an interview situation, and two, um, whether or not you're dealing with a sympathetic native speaker or not. Those are the only contextual things they give. Um, but so... Um, so they are, they are not actual metrics of communication per se. They are metrics of proficiency. And as such, I think that they are they're fine. I mean, that way, because as you know, long as you understand the difference between, you, you have to understand that communication is a little more fluid than, yes. than proficiency, right? Okay, so if you understand that, then they're fine, and you can, you can work with them. And, so, and we okay. work with them here, okay? Um, so they're, um, and the way we work with them is not in the, in, the, in the strictest sense. We don't even use, for example, an oral proficiency interview to test our students. We have our can-do statements, and we have our range of things that we feel comfortable in saying what they can do, and then we call it a day with that, okay, because we take the spirit of the guidelines for what we're doing here. So give uh, me an example of something someone can or should be able to do. At, um, and, uh, cause we do them through our can do statements, for example. So for example, yep. so for example, for the immediate level, we have something like I should be able to say when I get up, when I go to bed and three things I do every day, that's different from what I do on the weekend. Okay. At, after how many hours of exposure should they be able to do that? Well, you can test at any time. In fact, we tested early on, but that doesn't mean it can't be tested again because when you test it, you, you may not get the same level of fluency. And by fluency, I mean speed or ability to do it. So you might be ru- rougher with it at the beginning. when We, fir- we do it like in the first four or five weeks um, after lots of input on those kinds of topics. And then, um, but then again, it, can be, it re- can be recycled in later because you get better and better as you, as you, as you progress you know, through your experience, right? So I don't, I don't see necessarily those kinds of things as a one-shot deal. And we always look at... Uh, again, remember, proficiency is not always about how fast you can do something or, uh, or necessarily even how well you can do it until you get to the upper levels. And I don't deal with the upper levels of proficiency. And so for us, as long as you can do it, then you're meeting our goals. Does that make sense? We're, we're, not, yeah. we're, not, we're not talking here about um, how well you do it, how fast you do it, just can you do it? Because we know that, that if you just can do it, you will get better with it later on as you get more exposure to language. Well, I guess that's my point, really, is that we have students in level two, and and after level two, we make a blanket statement that everyone should be able to do this, when the truth is is that not everyone will be able to do it, but it doesn't mean that they don't have some level of proficiency. Well, that's why we don't don't state our goals as everybody. We state our goals in terms of a percentage. And so we we say, for example, 50% of our population will be able to do X, knowing that some will be above and some will be below. Um, and now we realize that 50% might be too high. It might, maybe we might need to drop it down to 33%. Okay, so it's, you, you have to allow for individual variations. Again, some people will be better, some people will be worse. But you have to have sort of a, a target for yourself so you have a way to assess what you're doing as an instructor and what your curriculum is doing. Okay. And, and well, then, thanks and for having answering a, my question. Yeah, and having a percentage like that gives you that wiggle room. It says, yeah, I, I'm meeting it or I'm not meeting it, but you know, some people will fall short, and I expect that because that's just the nature of language acquisition, right? But nobody gets penalized for not meeting it. That's just the goal we set for ourselves. Um, so. 
<laughs> no, I will say, Carol, this is Walter speaking here. Uh, Actual has come out with a chart. Uh, it's called the time is a crim- critical component for developing language performance. And so they do give kind of a guideline. It's not, it's clearly not a uh, hard and fast truth, but, uh, but it's a guideline so you can take a look at it. It's in, in some of their, I don't remember if it's in the proficiency guidelines or it's in some, some document that Actual has put out. So. Right. I've looked at those and I do find them helpful. Um, it's just one of those things that language acquisition seems to be so ambiguous that I'm finding it, the older I get, I think it's harder to measure. It's not getting any easier for me. Right. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And that's why when we set our goals, um, we don't, again, we don't measure directly whether they've got to intermediate mid. We have our set of can-do statements that are spread out over the curriculum. And if they're able to do those over the course of the curriculum, we're satisfied with that because for, for precisely the reason you're saying. Um, it, it, it's, and it, it can't be so hard and fast. But I, the idea is if you don't have some kind of goal, um, I'm trying to think of those teachers out there, Carol, who don't set goals at all. And so what are they doing? And what they wind up doing is flipping textbook pages. And so the more we can, we can push people to even think about goal setting in some way or another, even if with experience they realize, well, that goal doesn't work for me, it's better to, to, to push them to be thinking about goals, um, at least communicative and proficiency-oriented goals, um, than to be thinking about covering tenses or covering textbook pages. Um, so, and again, right, we, our experience here is we're doing it here. We're finding out that our goals aren't quite working, so we're starting to... Look at our curriculum again. So that's what it's all about. It's not about the students. Right. The students aren't getting penalized. We're we're using it to measure ourselves. So. Right. Mm. Well, thank you. Thanks for confirming that uh, you too change your mind after you discover your oh, guidelines yeah. or it's your goals weren't quite accurate. You have to do. You have to do constant self-assessment every every three or four years. You got to look at what you're doing and say, okay, I gotta stop and, and assess it. Maybe even sooner than that. It just depends on how much time you right. have to assess. But. Yeah. Hey, do you hear a little noise in the background? I hear lots of noise in the background. What's going on? I'm going to make everybody else hide to you. These are the 150 people at the Cofalt Conference in Oregon. Hold on a minute. Great. My God, it sounds like a football game. <laughs> Are they doing the wave too, or something? Could you could you hear them? Yeah, they're doing the wave. Yeah, it sounds like a football. Right sounds like a football me. game, and they're all standing up doing the wave. That was great. Well, tell them hi back. Yeah, because yeah, we're enthusiastic, and this is better than a football game. Yeah, right, Mikey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 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 everybody, how we doing? Is that Mikey? Hey, Mikey. That's, that's Mikey. Make sure you guys send okay. us some. Make sure you send us some photos. Send some pictures. I'm sorry. Make sure you send some photos or pictures. Tweet your tweet some photos and pictures to us right now. Okay, we'll we'll do that right now. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks, Bill. Thanks, Walter. Everybody, nice talking. Okay. Thanks for calling. Make conference. sure somebody comes in. We got like two more minutes. I got to get that SLA challenge question in. All right. Remind them. Okay. <laughs> that was great. Oh my gosh, 150 people. That's just, just, that's just fun. They're all sitting there listening to us. It's like that's fantastic. I feel like you know, I feel honored. They're they're in a conference. They're I taking feel time nervous. Out. I need to stop talking. I'm going to sound silly. No, I mean that's, <laughs> they, they took time out of their busy conference to listen to us. I think that's great. It was really nice to hear Steve too. So Steve's so funny. My God, what did he say? He was on on nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide, and he loved it. <laughs> all right. 
Okay. Um, we've got a caller, I think, coming. Do we have a call coming in? Nope. Okay. Um, I thought we did. Let's see. We've got Walter. Did you tweet that link? I did. You t- okay. So Walter tweeted that link um, to that ACFO reference, right? I did indeed. Yep. Okay. Good. So people who want to find out about those hours that he was mentioning, it's out there floating in the cybersphere somewhere. All right. So, um, oh, good. Our, we do have a caller. It looks like it came through. We have a caller on the line. Is this Dudu from Algeria? Hello. Hello, I'm not hearing anything. Yes, I am. Is this Dudu? Yes, I'm here. Can you, uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Hey, we, are you calling from Algeria? Yes, I am, yeah. Well, that's great. That's great. And it says that you were going to answer the yes, SLA sir. question. Yes, I called before. You did, okay. All right, so you're ready for the question. I'm going to read the question again, and then you're going to give the answer, yes, okay? So, hold on. Okay, so here's the question. What does the term end state refer to in second language acquisition? Uh, sorry, can you repeat, sir? Sure. I wasn't listening. What does the term end state refer to in second language acquisition? Uh, well, it is the final grammar achieved by a learner. The final grammar, say that again, the final grammar what? By the learner? Achieved by the, uh, by the learner. Yeah, by that's learner. pretty good. Yeah. Ding, 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 wow. ding. That's a pretty good answer. Yes. End state refers to the, the final place, whatever you want to call it, grammar, linguistic system that the learner gets in ahead. Um, or basically, you can just say how far a person gets an acquisition. Great. Well, that was great. So, Dudu, tell me what you do. Are you a language teacher? Yeah, yeah uh, I am a language teacher, but I'm teaching part-time. Oh, okay. And so now you're, what time? Uh, I'm, I'm a student teacher also. You're what? Uh, I'm a student teacher. I'm teaching, I'm, I'm studying in a school for teachers, and I'm teaching part-time in, uh, oh, okay. in my free time. Well, good for you. Well, good for you. So you're going to have a career. What language do you teach? Uh, I said uh, English, EFL. Oh, okay. Oh. They're not sure. Well, good for you. Well, great. Well, make sure you stay on the line um, so that Jeff uh, and our, our studio can get your address. We're going to send you a set of coasters in the mail for your use. Okay? Thank you. That's good. All right. Nice. Make sure. So make sure you give your information to Jeff so we can get those in the mail to you. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, Dudu. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for calling, Dudu. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Okay, Oregon just slipped up there. They waited too long. I guess I better give the diva question now, so maybe someone from Oregon can get the diva question. Okay. Should I give the diva question, Walter? Go right ahead. Dustin, should I give that? I'm waiting for it. Because you are the wind beneath my wings. It is October. Hocus Pocus time. You are th- oh, it is Hocus Pocus time. Oh, my God, that's my favorite Halloween movie. Have you watched it yet? No, this I don't season? watch it. I watch it on, I watch it on Halloween. Day. On Halloween, okay. Of course I do. Watching Halloween, except I'll be, I have to take it with me to Minnesota because I'll be in Minnesota for Halloween. Okay, so here's the diva challenge question What diva with a career that has spanned five decades was born with the name Anna Mae Bullock? Ooh, that's a tough one. Huh. Repeat What diva with a career that has spanned five decades, almost like me, was born with the name Anna May Bullock. Call him with that answer and win a prize. All right. We're waiting for Oregon. Since they missed the SLA question, they're, they're going to have to call in and, and answer that one. Okay. So what we got to go? We got something going on uh, on Mixler. 
there, Dustin? Well, or? we still have Heidi's question out there. She looks like she can't call in. Well, then why don't you... So we can read it off, if that's okay? Sure, go ahead. Sounds good. All right, so let me get back to her Why post. not? Why not? I'll just take a sip of my water here. I got that Las Vegas throat again. <clears throat> and someone seconded her question, so it'd be great if we did tackle this one. What are some examples of meaningful, attainable goals for students when acquisition is the actual goal, and everyone is on a different continuum and acquiring at their own pace? Oh, yeah. Well, we kind of sort of answered that earlier in a certain sense. Um, what you do is you can set the same kinds of goals, for example, just like that little, the little can-do statement I said earlier, one of the ones we use here, which is, you know, I can say when I get up, when I go to bed, three things I do every day that's different than what I do on the weekends. Um, and almost everybody, when we, when we listen and we watch students do that in the class, for example, they're kind of all over the place on their ability to do that. Some are really slow, some are really good, some are miraculous than others. We don't care if you can do it, that's great. And so the idea is to set things that you think they can do or they should be able to do and then you work really hard to get them there. And then you just allow for the individual differences. I think the issue becomes one of grading or assessment mm. in the sense of it's not so much, I think people worry too much about how well they can do it rather than just that they can do it. That's why we call them can-do statements, can I do this? And so I think, Heidi, um, you can set things like can-do statements and, and, and goals that allow for a lot of variation in how they're actually done. Um, because you can't, again, with acquisition, you cannot grade for accuracy or individual differences. You have to let those, just let those things take their course. All right. Um, let's see here. Walter, you haven't told us about your reading this week. I haven't. You're right. But it's actually uh, really interesting that we just had a cameo from Dr. Stephen Krashen because he's who I'm going to talk about today. Uh, last week, I mentioned... Uh, a, an article from Angelica and her colleagues here at Michigan State who uh, published actually on this topic, on setting language goals. And uh, I also, at the very end of that very same foreign language annals, is a response, a comment on an article. Uh, the original article is, was published by Martina Linseth, um, The Availability of Conscious Knowledge. And uh, Stephen Krashen has given a response to that. And so I recommend that you go and l read Dr. Krashen's response and then Martina Linseth's response to Dr. Krashen. And, and uh, I think it'll be an interesting read for you. So and the original, ar original article, too. Yeah, and the original. I'm not sure when it was originally published. I think it was it published in March 2015. No, 2016. It's that, yeah, it was this year, but yeah. yep. And so again, once again, that's in volume 49, number three, fall 2016 of the Foreign Language Annals put out by Actful. So an interesting read. I, I think, it, I, Walter, that's an excellent choice. I'm going to tell you why. You know why I think you're a genius at picking that one? Why am I a genius at picking that one? Because it allows the reader. Sometimes readers just, they don't know. They think something gets published and it's a definitive thing. And here we have something that was published in March of 2016. And then Steve Krashen has a response to that, saying, here's what I think about that. And then she engages in some dialogue. And we get some, we actually get some back and forth on something so yeah. people can see how the thought good. processes work. Yeah. And it just so happens I have one coming out in December as well. But I'll let <laughs> You well, have we'll, a response to it coming we'll out? We'll wait to the December show, and then you can say, hey, I just got my foreign language annals. <laughs> 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 and and there so you, you have a response to this article. Huh? <laughs> All right, then. Wow. All right. Oh, we got another caller. Tim. There's a guy named Tim. I wonder if it's short for Timothy. It think is it's Tiny Tim? Is this, is this Tim <laughs> from Massachusetts? Here. It is. Hi. Hey, hey Tim. Hi, is, Tim. 
Timothy is your full name? It is. You know, people think I'm a William, but I'm actually a Bill, just in case you uh, want to know. No William. No William. We sometimes call him Guillermo in So, yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> My sister calls me that. Like, whatever. So, so Tim, uh, how's, how's life in Michigan? Uh, Michigan. Massachusetts. I don't know how life in Michigan is. <laughs> so, but hey. life in Massachusetts is great. Well, good. So what do you do there? Are you a teacher? Are you a student? I, I am a department head. Oh, wow. Um, K to 12. And I am president-elect of the Massachusetts Foreign Language Association. Great. Wow. Yeah. I think we've read a question of yours before, have we not, Tim? I think you did a couple Ooh. of weeks ago, yeah. There you well, go. Well, great. So it says here on my um, screen in front of me that you're calling in because you have an answer to the diva question. I do. Oh, Tim, I love you. Let's I, see if you get it right. Okay, here we go. I knew the answer right away. You did. Okay, you and so, I must be the same yeah. age. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it is, of course, Tina Turner. Uh, let me, yeah, let me read the question again to remind people. Oh, what I'm diva? What diva with a career that has spanned five decades was born with the name Anna Mae Bullock? And the answer is Tim. Tina Turner. What you got to do? Yes, ding 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 ding. There you go. Keep singing. Great, Tim. Why? Do you want to sing it? You want? No, I want you to keep singing. What's love got to do? No, I can't sing that song. Okay. Actually, there's another song of hers I really like, but I won't say it on the air. Okay. Well, Tim, that was great. Thank you for calling in and giving us the correct answer. Everybody out there, you should know that some of us have fake names that we use as our stage names and our entertainment names and our radio names and. Like Whoopi Goldberg, she's something, I think your real name is like Karen Johnson or something, or Karen Jones or something like that. Yeah, and Walter Hopkins oh, wow. is really not Walter Hopkins. So <laughs> did you know that, Dustin? I didn't know that. <laughs> Tim, did you give Jeff your information on the phone before I you? I did, yes. Good, so he's got it all. So we're going to send you a nice set of coasters. How's that? That sounds excellent. Perfect. I and those will wait. go out to you in the next couple of days, and you enjoy those. Will we see you in Boston at Actful? You will, yes. Well, make sure you get there early. You know, we're doing Tea with BBP at 3 o'clock on Saturday. All so, right. So you get to the exhibit hall ahead of time. Make sure you come up and introduce yourself so we can say, hey, that's Tim from Massachusetts who called in. Okay? All right. I will definitely introduce myself. I look forward to meeting you in person. Well, same here. Likewise. Okay. Wait, Tim, don't leave yet. I think you sent in a question, and I think maybe you'd like to ask it or I can ask it for you. You know, I, so I did send in a question, I think, but I cannot remember what it was because it was a few days ago. Okay, well, I'll ask it for you then. How's oh, okay. that, Tim? <laughs> His question is, if I were to purchase a book for a department-wide read on communicative language teaching, what recommendations do you have? Other than mine? <laughs> no, including yours. Anything. Well, um, you know, Jim Lee and I did the book, the definitive book. No, we did a book. Uh, second edition came out in 2003. We have not done a follow-up. Um, called um, Making Communicative Language Teaching Happen. And then I've got my book with ACTFL um, coming out this spring. I'm not sure what the name of it's going to be, but the tentative, the underlying title is Principles of Contemporary Language Teaching. And by contemporary language teaching, I mean communicative and proficiency-oriented language teaching. So that one's coming out. Um, oh. And then other, it just depends, because communicative... Um, there are cultural defi- there are cultural nuances to that so there are people in um, in the in the English speaking world who talk about communicative language teaching um, that that talk about slightly differently. Um, there's some common underlying things that we do, but but there are some culturally context specific things. And I think you want is is more of a U.S. based perspective on things, correct? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, Sandy Savignon's work, communicative competence theory and classroom practice, that's a classic as well. 
Um, that was republished in 1998. I think it's still available. Um, and off the top of my head, that's all I have right now. Well, that's a good start, isn't it? Okay, well, um, yeah. If you haven't written those down, shoot me an email again or remind me, and I'll, I'll put those in writing to you. Okay? Oh, I was writing furiously. I've got everything down. Well, your department head, I'm <laughs> sure you do yeah. write furiously. Right. I right. have to be able to do that. There you go. All right, Tim, well, thanks for calling in. Thank you. Take care. Talk to you later. Okay, bye-bye. Take care, Tim. Bye-bye. Boy, those poor Oregon people missed both the SLA challenge question and the Diva challenge question. That was okay, but we, I think we got somebody from Oregon calling here in a minute. But we want to go to Dustin's quote because Angelic is not here, so he's got to do the quote of the week. I do. I've what is quote your here. quote of the week, Dustin? Well, it sort of specifies Bill. There is one only one rule for being a good talker: learn to listen. Christopher Morley. Oh my gosh! Say that again. There is only one rule for being a good talker: learn to listen. And Bill, you do that at every show. You listen to our listeners. Well, no, I think it's a good quote because that's all that kind of dovetails with the whole idea of input and comprehension leads to acquisition. So if you want to learn a language to talk, you better be a good listener. Who did that again? Christopher Morley? Christopher Morley. Who's Christopher Morley? That, that name's ringing a bell. That name rings a bell. I don't know. I'm not sure. Somebody Google it. almost him. sounds... Uh, I know who that is. Isn't he a, a writer from the 17th century? Oh, I have to figure it out. Oh, well. Let me take the next call. We got Louisa calling from Oregon. Louisa, are you on the line? I sure am. Hey, Louisa, how you doing? I'm wonderful. How's Thank the conference you. going? Did you finish your lunch? Yes, we, well, no, I stepped out from lunch so that I could call you. Lunch is almost over, and then we're going to continue with Dr. Krashen. Well, great. Well, great. So what's on your mind, Lisa? What, what are you calling about? I have a question because I'm helping teachers who are new to comprehensible input strategies mm -hmm. um, figure out what can they expect from their students after 180 hours of language instruction or comprehensible input when we only get them for that amount of time during the first year. So, uh, so what, how many hours a week is that? That's one hour a week for... Um, 180 hours for the year. Well, I'm, I'm, something's not adding up to me because what? Oh hour no, a week I'm sorry. Five hours, five hours a week, because it's one hour a day. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. One hour to five hours a week. Yeah. I know. I'm, math no, no. is not my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no, no. Okay. No. I was going like 52, 50, 52 weeks. One hour would be 52 hours. Okay. So yeah. yeah, I got it. So there are five hours a week, and with your one hour a day. Okay. And um, so you want to know how far they can get at the end of one year? Yes. Oh, my gosh, it just depends. I think that with really, really good, high-quality um, input, interaction with that input, if it's compelling, if it's interesting, uh, if the students are engaged, um, then um, you could probably get them to, geez, have to, in a situation like that, if that's all you're doing is comprehensible input and really working them with interaction with that input, yes. I'm going to just stab I'm going to say there's no reason you can't get them to at least intermediate. You could probably get them to intermediate low, I bet. would be hard to get and in there. And that's, that's the thing that um, teachers who are new to the comprehensible input method are struggling with because they don't really believe that. And so they don't know what does that look like, how do they test for that, right? Yeah. So we, we say use the quick write to find out how much they can put out, you mm -hmm. know, for their um, showing what kind of language they have acquired. Do you have any other ideas on what we could use to test that proficiency? 
Yeah, I think that actually I was talking to Eric about this on the phone recently because we need to, I know there's been some research done on this kind of stuff, but we need to do some, the, the problem with some of the research is that we need to have some neutral measures that don't bias toward a particular method. Um, and so I think what you want to do is investigate some of the, for example, what I said earlier, like some of the can-do statements. Those would be great measures to see what, if they can do some of those. You take a handful of those um, and see if they can do those um, and which ones. Um, because, you know, you can't cover, it depends on what you're doing with CI and, and the approach you're taking in the classroom, what topics you cover over the course of a year because all can-do statements and all tasks are also going to be topic relevant, right? Because you have to, you have to be able, you, you have to be able to have um, input about the kinds of things that you're going to talk about over over the course of the over, over the course of time. True. So, True. Um, but at least that would be a good start. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so um, again, so uh, this is why this is why I work backwards because I do a lot of CI stuff in my class. It doesn't look like typical TPRS stuff because I'm driven by tasks. Here's where I want my students to be at a certain point. Then I work back from that task. So I build, I build all my input interaction with the input around where I want them to be in two days or four days or five days on these little teeny, teeny tasks I have them do. So, so mine looks a little bit different. Um, so as opposed to just launching into effect storytelling or doing those kinds of things, which is a great way to do it too, um, but then you wind up being a little more, um, you're contextually bound um, to the things that come, in, come up in the stories. Um, and so, um, but even in my case, for example, I would, want, I would want neutral tests of what I'm doing to see if it's working. Exactly. Because, yeah. So. Exactly, that would be ideal. So yeah. we'll need to be working on that. Yeah. finding some neutral. Yeah, so I think I think some tests. simple can-do statements would work. If you want help with that, just um, we've got stuff on our website, our on our syllabi and stuff. But Walter, and I can shoot some ideas to you. We should probably just that put those together. Maybe we can put those on the web. We'll we'll talk to Luca. Maybe we can throw a few of those up there um, from on the Spanish language page. program. You can see what they look like. Uh, we'll we'll just translate them. In, uh, actually, they are all all are in English. Because uh, mm -hmm. they're in the syllabus, because they're they're public documents, we didn't put them in Spanish. So yeah, so we can just cut and paste those and put those up. It'll take us like five or ten minutes. So we'll go look for the T with BBP website um, um, in the next couple of days. We'll see if we can get them up by. Let's give us till Monday. See if we can get them up by Monday. Okay. That'll be wonderful. Thank well, you. They'll very be in the much resource site. They'll be in the resource answering site. Answering my question. Okay. Sure. Have a great day. Okay, Louisa. Thanks for calling and thanks say hi to everybody. Bye bye. Have fun the rest I of the will. conference. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. That was a good question. Yeah, that's a tough mm -hmm. one because, yeah, um, uh, uh, and she's right. A lot of people don't believe you can um, get things. That I mean, when the demos I do, and people realize after w one hour what students can do, they go, oh my God, just they could do all that just from listening? Yeah, pretty much so. But they weren't just listening. They were interacting with me too. So um, anyway. Um, okay. can, I, can I just do a follow-up on that question? Do you sure. think? Sure. So, um, you know, let's say that it wasn't, you know, maybe someone new to using comprehensible input or, or I don't know. I mean, do you think it's realistic for someone uh, for a regular classroom after 180 hours to get to intermediate low? Or do you think m more likely that there would be a novice mid or a novice high? I think, uh, I think, I think intermediate low is possible. But again, you've got to do that percentage. Like 30% of my students will be in intermediate low. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them won't be. Because there's so much individual variation, but you could, but I mean, if you look at really good, high quality input in the classroom, the problem is, is that, it, it is, 
it's all about the devil's in the details, right? And so it's mm -hmm. all about how you spend that hour in the input interaction with that input. How good is the input? How, how are the students um, uh, maintaining interest in it? How are they interacting with the input? All of that stuff counts. So the devil is in the details. So it's, it's not impossible. It's not impossible with yeah. a really good instructor who knows what he or she is doing with that input in the classroom and interacting with that input to push the students along really fast. I mean, I had a really fabulous Russian demo when I was in, in July in Chattanooga. And mm -hmm. I, I could swear, I could, I'm sure I could be an immediate low. If you if had 180 I, hours? If I had five days a week with her an hour a day, that instructor. You know, that's actually the uh, one of the things that I miss about teaching in the, in the middle and high school is that you get that five days a week, hour, you know, maybe not an hour long necessarily, but uh, you get a much more regular interaction with your students and for a longer period of time. Cause, you know, a lot of people have said that one semester of college level language is equal to one year of high school level language. But the reality is, when you think about that, they have 45 hours in one semester, 90 hours in two semesters. So they're really getting that 180 hours over four semesters. <laughs> mm. And we're expecting intermediate mid by the end of four semesters. Right. Whereas in high school, right. they get one year, and they've already got that same number of, right. of hours. Here's actually, this is, this is right on the topic that we just asked you know, what we're talking about. Um, Senor Ricardo wrote in on um, Twitter that for his Spanish one goal, stay in the, his goals are stay in the target language, communicate, speaking, writing, using novice mid-level language. Kids are already doing that in one month. So throughout that, he wants them be at least be novice mid by the end of the first year, if not even sooner. So I mean, I think it's doable, and that's that's probably in his curriculum. So, all right. Oh my God! Look at the time. The little clock time. is ticking. We have a reminder. Dustin, you want to read the reminder? Sure. We have two days left to send in the Diva lip sync battle video. That's tomorrow, correct? No, Friday. Friday. Today's the thirteenth. Today's Thursday. So Isn't Saturday. So Saturday is Saturday. the deadline. Okay, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I got confused <laughs> in the beginning. Saturday. Because the fifteenth is was the first day we uh, first day of our first broadcast ever, right? Yeah. Last year, Saturday. So it's our yeah, one it's year celebration. So technically, up. this is almost our. We'll wait, we'll wait and have our big cake next week, next Thursday. How's that sound? All right. Can we get it designed with like the TB, T with BVP logo? Right, I'm, I'm gonna have your face on it, Walter. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take a picture of you and have them put your face. Put on it the right cake. on there. Yeah, Carol, <laughs> Carol just sent me a a, a tweet. Asking if I could run for president after all. Yeah, th we're not going to go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so maybe we, we could put that on the cake. Come we'll on, put that on the cake. We'll put that on the cake. That's right. So two okay. days, lip sync battle. Two days. Get those in there this weekend, in. kids. Okay, we got to wrap up and do our acknowledgments. God, I can't believe it's that time. Okay, we want to thank our technical producer, Daniel Trago. Hey, Daniel. Our media producer, Luca Giappone. Hey, Luca. And, of course, our talented and trusty... Call handler this week is Jeff Maloney, who's actually taking time off from his other duties to do the calls. Thank you for that. We want to thank our guest today, Dustin, right, Walter, for Tista filling Dustin. in for Angelica. Yay. Thank you. We want to thank the College of Arts and Letters of Michigan State, especially our dean, Christopher Long. And as a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any of their official entity of Michigan State University. And of course, we want to thank all of you listeners out there as well. Now, our topic next week is going to be, guess what? Is input enough? What about interaction? Since I mention that all the time. So there you go. Put that up for you. Until then, have a great weekend. Have a great beginning of the school year. Try not to watch the news and get depressed. And happy second language acquisition to everybody. Adios, amigos. Adios. Happy birthday, Walter. Happy birthday, Dustin. Oh, my God. I have another week. I want a birthday. <laughs> <laughs>
Can I have a birthday? What is it? Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen. Thank you, Heidi Klum.